Thank you for joining us. Uh, it's time for us to dismiss kids for Kids Zone today. Uh, and if you've got kids that need to be checked into the nursery, you can take them back. Kids Zone is over here now, so we've moved uh, from out here uh, to the back hallway where all of our kids' classes are. So kids can come over for Kids Zone. We do want to l- remind you, so we do have our. Um, annual congregational meeting after our service today. And so if you have children in Kids Zone, uh, when we finish our service, we are going to take about a five-minute break and uh, have you go pick up your children and bring them back in. There will be nursery. We'll have uh, people working in the nursery during our uh, congregational meeting, but you're going to pick up your children from Kids Zone and bring them back in once... Uh, once we start our service. We'll give you a reminder about all of that when it gets time. All right, well, thank you for joining us. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. We've been, we spent the Christmas season, uh, the Advent season, working, like starting our way in the Gospel of Luke uh, and using that as uh, kind of looking at the themes of Advent and reminding ourselves that it's because of Christ that we have uh, you know, hope and joy and peace and, and love. Uh, and we are continuing on in our study in the Gospel of Luke. With the start of the new year, we often make new commitments, uh, you know, New Year's resolutions, commitments. Sometimes those apply to our faith. Uh, we, we're going to, you know, read our Bibles more. We're going to spend more time in prayer and things like that. Um, Today I've titled my sermon, About the Father's Business. And that's going to come from the text that we're looking at in Luke chapter 2, from a statement that 12-year-old Jesus makes. Um, But what we see in the text today uh, can be true for those of us who are uh, have trusted in Jesus, who've put our faith in Christ. Uh, Our faith can be active and real uh, we can grow in our relationship with with God, and we can pursue a life of obedience. And so I'm going to read the text, Luke 2, starting in verse 41 and going through 52, and then I'm going to pray for us as we get ready to look at the truth from God's Word. Luke chapter 2, verse 41, Every year his parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom of the festival. After those days were over, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming he was in the traveling party, they went a day's journey. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all those who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked them. Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them 
and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people. Let's pray. God, we confess again, as we do each week, that your word is true and good. Um, And we need your help in understanding and believing and responding the way that you desire us to. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you work now in our minds and in our hearts for that purpose, for your glory, God. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you remember, we've talked about this a couple of times when we started our uh, our look at the Gospel of Luke. Luke tells the, the reader in the beginning of his Gospel that his purpose in this is for belief. His purpose in this is that uh, he has investigated all of these details concerning Jesus. And he is presenting the evidence and he wants Theophilus to know with certainty. He wants him to believe this message, believe everything that he's heard concerning Jesus Christ. As we examine the story today the actions of these individuals in this story. I want us to keep that in mind, that like since the gospel's true, that these things that we see here in the text are things that we can commit to. These are things that if, if we have placed our faith in Christ, if we are one of God's children, because the gospel's true, we can pursue these things for God's glory. The first thing that we see in this text is this. Since the gospel's true, we can commit to an, to an active faith. Since the gospel is true, we can commit to an active faith. Let's look at verses 41 and 42 again. Every year, his parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom of the festival. Every year, Mary and Joseph travel to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. Remember, Passover, looking back to God's deliverance of his children from Egypt. Uh, when the uh, tenth plague was going to cause the death of the firstborn son, but God's children were protected by spreading the blood of the lamb on their doorpost. And every year, they were to celebrate this as a reminder that God rescued them. God saved them from that destruction and then brought them out of the slavery that they were in. And so they had to celebrate this annually. Uh, the men were required to travel to Jerusalem for this festival. The fact that Mary went also shows that it wasn't just Joseph being devoted. Mary, too, is devoted. She was not required to attend. She could attend. Children and women could attend, but she wasn't required. Joseph was required to be there. But Mary's faith was real, too. Mary's faith was active, too. And they annually, every year traveled to Jerusalem to take part in this festival to celebrate and remember God's faithfulness to his people, the rescue that he provided for them. They were committed to their faith. They were committed to an active faith. 
And in this scene, we see 12-year-old Jesus going up with them and being a part of this. Mary and Joseph raising their son. And if they have other children at this time, there are other children in the faith. That this is real for them. This is something that they need to take seriously. And so this week I was thinking about the, the reality for Jesus, 12-year-old Jesus, going and watching this celebration, which is a reminder of what was happening in the past, of God's rescue that he performed in the past, but that was also pointing ahead to what he was going to do. Right? Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he was going to be the sacrifice. And so 12-year-old Jesus likely went with Joseph to celebrate, went with Joseph up to the temple to sacrifice the lamb that was required for them to sacrifice. Uh, watching the lamb's blood be shed, watching as the lamb is then prepared and taken back and their family's going to eat the meal that night and tell the story again of God's deliverance of his people. And Jesus was a part of this celebration, and Mary and Joseph were committed to raising their child in the faith and committed to their faith. They took it seriously. They were a faithful family. It wasn't just something that they occasionally were, uh, you know, we'll stop in every once in a while if we don't have other things going on. This was real for them. And we can live that kind of commitment, church. We can live out a committed, active, real faith in God if we've trusted in Jesus. It can be true of us too, but we have to be intentional about it. Like Mary and Joseph were. They were intentional and committed in taking their family and actively saying, this is going to be part of our lives. This is going to be how we live. And so we can make that kind of intentional commitment since the gospel is true. Do you remember the words that Joshua said to the Israelites after the the land had been conquered, the promised land, they finally been able to go in and the land has been conquered. The land has been divided up and he calls together the uh, the leaders and Joshua tells again the story of God's faithfulness to his people. And then he says this, Joshua 24, verse 14, therefore, Fear the Lord and worship Him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods your fathers worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship the Lord. But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves today which you will worship. The gods your fathers worshipped beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. As for me and my family... We will worship the Lord. Or some of your translations may say, As for me and my house, we will worship the Lord. Joshua told them, It's time to commit. Are you going to commit to worshiping the Lord? Are you going to choose to worship 
an idol? Are you going to worship a false god? And he makes the commitment, for me and my house, we will worship the Lord. He was intentionally choosing. He is going to be committed to his faith. And so for us, church, let's commit to actively living out our faith. Let's fall more in love with Jesus this year than last. Let's stay connected to the church. Let's serve by using the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us. Let's give faithfully. Let's live out as Paul called us to, uh, you know, as Paul celebrated with the Philippians, that they were in a partnership in the gospel with him. And he found great joy in that. Let's live out a gospel partnership. Would you commit to that today? Because the gospel's true. Since what Jesus Christ did is true, we can commit to that kind of life, an active faith. Would you join me in that? The second point is this. Since the gospel is true, we can have a personal relationship with God. Since the gospel is true, we can have a personal relationship with God. Let's look back at 43 through 50, back in Luke 2. After those days were over, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents didn't, did not know it. Assuming he was in the traveling party, they went a day's journey. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking, question, asking them questions. And all those who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked them. Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Jesus stays behind in Jerusalem. His parents traveling for about a day before they realize he's not with the group. Now, this would have been normal for groups traveling in the ancient world uh, for festivals and celebrations. They would have traveled in large groups if possible. And so there was a group of friends and family members that traveled from Nazareth to Jerusalem with Mary and Joseph and their family. And so it was a large group that would have been traveling together. They assume that he's with the group somewhere and they travel a day and then realize he's not here. And so they begin looking for him. They head back to Jerusalem and they find him at the temple. And I do think, just a, a side note that's really important for us, I think it's important that we see the, the value of even in young age pursuing and uh, growing in the knowledge of the Lord. The value that Jesus put on that as a 12-year-old boy. You know, oftentimes we think of uh, our children's ministries and our, our youth ministries as, well, these are, you know, 
either babysitting or they're entertainment things for the younger people. And then parents and, and grandparents, we can kind of learn about God uh, and we can grow in our faith. And we should see that our children's ministries, our youth ministries are vital and should be helping our young people grow in their knowledge of the Lord. Twelve-year-old Jesus is taking this seriously, sitting and asking questions and answering questions. And so, parents, let's consider the, the importance of that. Let's take that seriously of really helping foster in our children the importance of growing in their faith now, not just hoping that they eventually pick it up for themselves children and youth is this is not something that you have to wait till you're an adult to actively pursue this is something that can be real for you now and you can grow in your knowledge of god now and god will bless that so here we see 12 year old jesus and he is asking questions and people are amazed people are astonished how does someone this young have this kind of understanding? How can someone like this have this kind of depth of knowledge? Do you hear how this young boy is answering questions and what he seems to understand? They were amazed. And of course, Jesus answers why. Jesus tells us, right, there's, there's something unique about him and he tells us what it is and it's the same thing that the angel told Mary when the angel announced, when Gabriel announced about the son that she was going to give birth to. This was a unique child because the Spirit of God was going to cause her to conceive and the child is going to be the Son of God. Right, the Son of the Most High. And so when asked by Mary, Jesus, why did you do this? Why would you stay behind? We've been panicked. We've been frantic looking for you. Why? And he answers, it was necessary for me to be in my father's house. Another translation, like the, the King James and the New King James translation is where I get the, uh, the sermon title for today because the, that translation says that it was necessary for, to me, for me to be about my father's business. He's referring to God as his father. Now, that's, we hear that language, we use that language often, right, in the church. It's common today. That was not common at this time, in the Old Testament, there are references to God being the, the father of Israel. There's references to people like speaking about Abraham and God is Abraham's father. But it was not a common thing for an individual to speak of God as their father at this time. And Jesus is announcing this. I'm, I'm in my father's house. I'm about my father's business. It's necessary for me to be doing so. And so his first recorded words, right? These are the first words that we have recorded in Scripture by Jesus. And they're a declaration of this unique relationship that Jesus Christ has with God the Father. 
God is his father and he is the son of God. For those of us who are in Christ, this is true for us too, right? Uh, Scripture speaks of like if we have come to faith in Christ, God has adopted us. We are his children, sons and daughters of God. He is our Father. And so we can have that same personal relationship that Jesus speaks of and had with the Father. Of course, before the foundations of the world were set, but in His life on earth, He had this personal relationship with the Father. And that can be true of us too, who have trusted in Him. And when we live out those lives with this new identity as sons and daughters of God, it it transforms us, right? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Who we are and how we lived are changed. How we live are changed by that. Look at what John says in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. See what great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children. And we are. The reason the world does not know us is it didn't know Him. Dear friends, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him because we will see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure. I love how John says, look at how much, God, how much love we have because we are called God's children. And then for double emphasis, he says, because we are God's children. Consider how much love it took on God's part to take rebels, to take enemies, and turn them into his children. He loved us that much. And then our identity is changed. And then we know that we'll be even transformed even more when Christ returns. And then John says, if that's your hope, for all of us who have that hope, all of us who are in Christ Jesus, purify yourself. right? Strive to live a life of obedience. Right? We can actually live as children of God because we are children of God. So church, let's commit to fostering this personal relationship with God. Spending time in God's Word. Spending time in prayer. Drawing close to God and saying, God, I need you to change me, right? Our hearts are drawn away. Our hearts are, you know, want to pursue what we think is best, what we like. And ask God, God, change me into the son and daughter of God that you desire me to be. We can grow in that personal relationship with God uh, because the gospel is true. The third point is this. Since the gospel is true, we can live lives of obedience and humble submission. Since the gospel is true, we can live lives of obedience and humble submission. Let's look back at verses 51 and 52 in Luke 2. 
Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people. Jesus went home after this event and was obedient. He lived a life of obedience to his parents, right? Being aware of this unique relationship that he has to the Father. And then still choosing to live this life of obedience. He was fully obedient to them in every way because we know that he never sinned. He humbly submits to his parents. Consider that. The, the Son of God, the one who created all things, and Scripture says who holds all things together, he humbly submits to his parents. No pride. No, like, don't you know who I am? No walking around with swagger. No demanding Something more or different for himself? Just humble submission, obedience to his parents. And as he does this, as he lives this life of obedience, Scripture says he, he grows in his, uh, he grows in wisdom, right? He grows in favor with God and with man. The word for favor there is grace. Like he grows in God's grace uh, and, in, and in the grace of other people as well. God was blessing that willingness to obey and humbly submit to his parents. And that can be true of us too, right? For those of us who are uh, in Christ, since Christ lives this way, we can pursue this. We can pursue a life of obedience and humble submission. Look at what Peter says in 1 Peter 1. Peter starts his uh, letter explaining the kind of depths of salvation, explaining what God has done, explaining what our hope is. And then he turns to how we should live in response to that. Right? Because of what God has accomplished, because of what God has done for us, that should shape how we live. And so 1 Peter one, starting in verse 14, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. But as the one who called you is holy, you also are able to be holy in all your conduct. Because of what Christ has done, because of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, then we can pursue a life of obedience. And I, and I don't mean this in the sense of like, okay, well, you got to buckle down and try harder. Like, you better be better than you were last year. Right? We can't do this on our own, but we're not on our own. Right? If we have trusted in Jesus, we have the Spirit of God indwelling us. And the Spirit of God will transform us is transforming us. And so we can pursue this life of obedience. 
recognizing that we're going to miss the mark, but saying, God, I need you to change me. I need you to shape me into the child that you want me to be for your glory. We don't have to live like rebels anymore. We don't have to live like enemies of God anymore. We can actually live as obedient children. So let's ask God to help us, right? Uh, sometimes that means like we need God to reveal to us areas of disobedience, right? We've become blind to many of them. Now, some of them, you know, our sins we've walked with for a long time. Uh, the really messy ones from the human standpoint, we know those and we're aware of them. But we also have sin in our lives that we're unaware. We just have blinded ourselves to. It's comfortable. And we don't think much about it. And so let's ask God, God, reveal to me areas of disobedience. Reveal to me areas of pride and help me fight them for your glory. Right? In the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do that. Because the gospel is true, we can pursue a life of obedience. If you've not placed your faith in Jesus Christ before, if you've never trusted in Jesus for salvation, I want you to know that when we speak of having a personal relationship with God, that can be true for you too. It can be true for you today if you would believe in Jesus. And if you do, Scripture says you'll become a child of God. And you can pursue a life of obedience. You can foster this close, personal relationship with God. And, and you can experience the transformation that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so if you want to know more about that, if you want to know about the good news of what Jesus Christ has accomplished for you and how you can receive that, I would love to speak with you. And so you can talk with me after the service. You can also fill out one of the yellow cards on the front of the seats or in front of the seats uh, and just say that you want to meet with the pastor. And I would love to share with you the good news of the gospel. Church, the good news of the gospel is true. Amen? The good news of the gospel is true. And since it is, let's commit again to letting that shape us this year. Letting that shape how we live. Let's pursue an act of faith in 2022. Let's foster our relationship with God through prayer and the reading of His Word. And let's live out a life of obedience and humble submission. Because of Jesus, we can. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your kindness towards us. I pray that you continue to work in our hearts and in our lives. God, help us. Help those of us who have trusted in Jesus to realize even more uh, the reality that we have of being your children and let that shape our lives. And I do pray for any who have not trusted in Jesus today, for any who do not know you personally, God, and what 
Jesus has done through being a sacrifice for them, I pray that they will be stirred to ask questions about that and that they will believe. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.